0: Free Trail Fam, what's up? Welcome back to the show. Of course, I am your host, Dylan Bowman, and today is part one of the Gorge Waterfalls debrief. Today, we host the champions of the Gorge Waterfalls 100K, which happened over the weekend. Hannah Allgood and David Laney for some fun conversations about their races, about their lives a little bit, and uh, about the rest of their respective seasons. I want to keep this introduction short because, quite frankly, I'm still exhausted from the weekend and I have a new appreciation for what race directors of the world do for a living. (laughs) And uh, while I am still a complete basket case, I am filled with love and gratitude from what was an awesome weekend out in the Columbia River Gorge. A huge shout out to Jeremy Long and Daybreak Racing for their stalwart organization of the event. Daybreak is really a world-class event, organization, company, and we are so, so happy to work with them and bring this race back to life. Thank you also, of course, to Dave and Kevin from Speedland, the presenting sponsors of the Free Trail Podcast, without whom this show would not exist and who were with us on site all weekend cheering on the athletes and being a big part of what was really a special, special highlight of my career. They also gave me some ridiculously cool new prototype shoes, which I wore all weekend at the races and which I have been running in all week. These things are seriously insane. I am really looking forward to bringing these babies to market later in the summer slash fall. And you'll hear more about that soon. For now, please go grab a pair of the SLHSV, the footwear commission inspired by Liz Canty in the trails of the Southeast. Uh, just also an insanely cool product from this hyper premium brand out of Portland, Oregon. Check them out, runspeedland.com. Follow them on Instagram at runspeedland. Again, so, so appreciative for these guys and all they've done for us. Okay. Hope you all enjoy these conversations. We'll start with Hannah Allgood and roll right into the conversation with David Laney. But first, I wanna start with my mother-in-law. That's right, Deb's Poetry Corner is back. Here is a poem that Debbie wrote for the Gorge Waterfalls athletes and which she recited at the start lines of both the 100K and the 50K. What a weekend. Thanks everybody, see you in the outro.
1: I'm reading the poem Running Through Time, and this is a, for the Gorge Waterfalls Race. I wanted to give some background, uh, mostly geological and some human, to what the gorge is and how it was formed, and that's what this poem is doing. Running Through Time, scarlet lakes of fire shivered in the planet's mantle, expanded, rose, subsided then boiled upward again, erupting and forming a chain along Earth's cleft at the continent's far shore, wide basin lands opening between volcanic peaks. In northern mountains, water welled, followed land's hollows, ran west to Pacific swells. A river later known by many names, La Belle Rive, Oily With Fish, The Columbia for Captain Gray's ship, a solitary passage between rugged ranges to the ocean. Ice gathered and moved south, winding down valleys, chiseling a new landscape. Great glacial lakes, called Missoula and Clark, froze, then melted, sending wave upon wave of ice water and rock scouring the columbia channel into a deep gorge wind rippled the high plateau land settled into soil plants took root tribes gathered along this river to trade and fish the rushing pink spawning ground of ocean-going lives gods were seen in fire and water loving and fighting Their stories etched in rock faces. Humans danced, the world guarded by stone-carved she who watches, who still watches as we gather in the mist under leafy cover, as we put foot to soil, inhaling scent of fir and cedar, salmon and huckleberry sprinting over hills into ravines through these wet nurturing forests of the columbia northwest gorge and the gorge waterfalls race
0: okay hannah you great champion welcome to the podcast how are you feeling now like four or five days removed from a fantastic victory at the gorge 100k good
2: uh Still a little bit in disbelief. Uh, I took Gunner for a hike today. Well, relatively hike. And he was like sprinting around me like, come on, like, let's go. And I'm just like waddling about. Um, But really good. Yeah, super excited. It's been a bunch of fun days and everybody has been like overly kind to me. So I'm like, you guys, like, thank you. But, you know, um, so it's been fun to like connect with some new people or even people that, especially in the trail community that I've known for a long time. um, It's been really fun to connect with just different individuals that I've looked up like up to for years. Or, um, I've had a couple of people reach out like, Oh, I saw you finish this race two years ago. Or like, Oh, I saw you on the trail on Tuesday. And uh, like, Oh, like, uh, just say hi. Like I would love to talk. So it's been super fun. Um, overall great. Yeah. It's yes. Great.
0: Well, I, I mean, I think for me personally, you were the story of the weekend. It was definitely the breakout race of your career. I'm just so impressed. And We released the 100K highlight video this morning. I'm not sure if you had a chance to see it yet, but it was the first time that I saw the clip of you finishing and Zach Marion, who had been filming you over the last couple of miles towards the finish line, while you're in the finishing shoot, he says, this is your breakout race and you only get one of them. And uh, it's so true. And as I was saying to you before we hit record, I do want to do sort of a deeper background with you just because it is your, your breakout race. So maybe just give us a a quick backstory of who Hannah Allgood is, where you're from, where you grew (laughs) up, uh, your introduction to running and, and where you are now.
2: Yeah. So, uh, I grew up in Wisconsin and, uh, ironically I hated running, um, as a kid. So I grew up, I danced from three to 16, but my main sports were basketball and soccer. So, played soccer year round. Um, and then basketball was probably like my true love of a sport. I just love the speed of it all. Um, I mean, I ran track in high school or middle school and I like the hundred meter dash, you know, yeah, like, I was yeah. like anything longer than that was not happening, but yeah, basketball is kind of where my heart lied. And then, I didn't start running until probably a senior in high school and it was just for fun. I had no watch. I don't know how far I ran. I mean, Mm -hmm. the first run now it's funny. Um, I went running with friends and it was a half mile, literally a half mile. And I was like, Oh my gosh, we had to have gone like at least five miles. Um, and so, yeah, and then I just kind of slowly started running more, but especially trail running. I mean, I know I said this on the podium, but Gil is literally the reason why I'm trail running your
0: husband, your husband, Gil.
2: Yes. Yes, my husband Gil, um, because I was running, when we first met, I was running more than him, but never on the trails, and he's like, we should run out on the trails, I was like, I'm not interested, yeah. like, I really don't want to, and I remember there's one trail in the canyon in the springs that just is a doozy of a climb and still is terrible, and I just was, like, walking it. I'm like, I'm never doing this again, like, I hate this, it's just <laughs> terrible, and then, He's just like, no, like we can do it. So it kept kind of going and then kind of decided like, we should actually like try this. And I wanted to get a coach, um, mainly because it takes a little bit of less effort on my end. Like I can program and I can do that, but it's easier to be for me. I'm like, someone just tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. I can do it. Um, yeah. And so I think my first true trail race was like a 15 miler, I want to say in 2019. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that was, and it was just a local trail race. Um, I had done one other like Xterra race that it was kind of funny. It was at Beaver Creek. Um, I don't even know how far it was. Gil was doing it. Um, and I was like, I'll just sign up like day of. And then I like did that. I think I got fourth or something, but had randomly like because I won my age group was like, here, you can go to Xterra worlds. I was like, I don't even know. Oh, really? In Hawaii. Yeah. 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 Cool. I have like a little like thing in our, we keep all of our stuff in our shed. We've got like a little board of all our (laughs) stuff. And yeah, I was like, Oh, I could like, I was like, should we go to Hawaii? Like, should we do this? And at that point I had, you know, no idea about anybody or anything or anything trail. And then, yeah, it's just kept going and just been super fun. And it's, Um, I think just my background being super competitive, I, I didn't end up playing a college sport. I decided like, since I was going to do something in the medical field, I was like, I really need to, like, I chose, uh, academics over athletics. And so Uh. I think I really missed like that competitive part of my life. Um, and so like trail running is kind of that fun, like push yourself, see what you can do, but it's really, especially as a female athlete, um, not that I don't love playing basketball with men, but like, it's just hard. Yeah, you know, like okay. I'm not against guys that are so tall. Did you and, watch like, the uh, final four?
0: The women's yeah, final four was yes. awesome, huh? Oh
2: my gosh! <laughs> I this is the first year I watched like the men's and the women's final four, and like it's just so uh, motivating, and it like. I think it was when the final four, I was shooting hoops. Like it was probably a week before the, this race. I, we have a little community center by our house. I was like shooting hoops. And sometimes I just did like a step back and my like right knee, like, I don't know what happened, but it was like pain and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna
0: be able to run this race. Classic. Like, so mad. Yeah. Um, I played lacrosse yeah. growing up and the thought of stepping on a lacrosse field and buckling a chin strap and like <laughs> making a lateral move. I'm like, it's terrifying to me,
1: but of yeah, course I'm, was,
0: I'm 36 now. So it's a different ball. Oh, so how do well, you, like, you, you're from Wisconsin you live in Colorado Springs now. How did that come to be? And, and you mentioned that you're in the medical field. So maybe... Uh, round out this story as to how you ended up in Colorado and what you do professionally.
2: Yeah. So, um, for college, I ended up going to Creighton university in Omaha, Nebraska. And so kind of that decision was, I wanted to leave Wisconsin, just like my, I went to a super small high school. So I wanted to get away a little bit and then just kept moving West. Um, basically. So I went to graduate school at Creighton university to, um, to become a physical therapist. And so, um, with that, getting your doctorate in that you have to do just like any rotations, things like that. And my last rotation was actually out here in Colorado Springs at a um, network out here. And my best friend from, um, undergrad, she lived in the spring. So basically I was like, okay, like one, it's beautiful. And then I just Decided I needed one friend. Like if I move anywhere, I just need one person I trust. And so moved to Colorado Springs and then got a job. And now I work at Children's Hospital Colorado and I do pediatric sports med PT. So tons of ACL injuries, um, all that kind of stuff, ankle sprains, shoulder injuries, anything like that. And so Yeah. And then we've been in the spring since 20, um, let's see, 2016. So
0: So, good. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Colorado Springs is underappreciated as a trail running destination. I, you know, Pikes Peak is in your backyard. You've got the incline, which is 2000 feet in a mile and beyond those two landmarks, so much just good, smoother running than you get sort of in Boulder or other parts of the front range and sort of a, a bigger city in Colorado. So yeah, a great place to be located, especially as your career begins to explode in front of our eyes. So let's start talking about Gorge. And I want to do like a deeper, longer podcast with you eventually, because I think your story is a an interesting one that deserves a lot more than we have time for today. But going into Gorge... Well, first, like I want to set the record straight too, because I twice had to ask you what your name was out on the course. And I just quickly explain your ultra sign-up name versus, you know, your, yeah. your, uh, your married name now, because I really just like want this to be on the record because I think there's some massive, massive things ahead for you. And I want people to sort of know your name, you know, and start as you start to cultivate your personal brand. So tell the story of, uh, of your name here.
2: Yeah, so um, my maiden name is Osowski, um, and my married name is Hannah Allgood. And so basically, I was very paranoid. So, going into so last year, 2021, I had actually signed up for CCC, but we had gotten married because of COVID. We had to move our wedding back. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I had, I basically wanted to be able to re sign up for CCC, and somehow, in my mind, I created if I changed my last name to All Good, that somehow, like, somewhere my performance index would get lost. So I wouldn't be able to sign up for CCC. <laughs> like, I was just very paranoid that I have to, like, call France and, like, you know, have this whole thing. So I haven't changed it, like, officially on those things and, like, you know, truly, fully, I tell everybody it's all good. Um, mainly because I was just paranoid that I wouldn't be able to sign up and then I wouldn't be able to contact someone. Um, and so that's where it's like a little bit of confusion. But now we're getting into press of actually changing everything all altogether. Um, but I just didn't want to lose an opportunity to do the CCC and again, made up probably in my mind, but just like so paranoid that for some reason, like mainly because the CCC and just UTMB and that whole platform is like an unbelievable dream for me. So I feel like I was like, I don't want to lose. So maybe this is my only opportunity to do this. So I don't want to lose that.
0: Okay. I just, yeah, I wanted to establish that because in our sort of race previews and as I looked at ultra Sign Up, I was like, okay, that here's Hannah Osowski. She looks like she's got some good results sort of in the Mountain West region. She'll be a fun sort of personality to follow throughout the day. And then when I met you or when I asked you what your name was, you're like Hannah Allgood. And I was like, huh, that's a totally different name that was on the... (laughs) Start list. Anyway, so I just wanted to establish that Hannah All Good yeah. equals Hannah Sowski. And uh, at some point, you know, those two things will come together digitally, yeah. both with your UTMB index and your Ultra Sign Up ranking. So, okay, now we can talk about uh, Gorge. I, I think, you know, for me, as I look at your results, it seems like you've mostly raced around the Mountain West in Colorado and Utah. And this was sort of your first time branching, branching out, coming to the Pacific Northwest. So uh, I'd love to hear how Gorge ended up on your radar and, uh, sort of, uh, why you chose to, to come race with us.
2: Yeah. So, uh, you're the reason Gorge came on, <laughs> radar. uh, I listened to your podcast really consistently and had seen, I, I mean, I followed you on Instagram forever. And so that was, I was like, okay, that's great. And so mainly my, in the beginning of this season, knowing I was doing CCC I'd only done the 100k at never summer before um and so basically I was like I want to do another one um but then there's Bandera I had thought about Bandera Mm -hmm. and then Black Canyon and Megan um my coach had reached out to Black Canyon to see if I could get in and they just hadn't reached back so I was like okay well that's out um and Bandera kind of scared me in the sense it was really soon like I didn't think I was ready um prepared and then listening to you I was like we love the Pacific Northwest, like this will be fun. I was like, you know, this sounds, looks beautiful. And I wanted to find a little bit more races where there's a little bit more technical terrain and climbing this season, just because knowing like I've never raced in Europe, you know, you that's a completely different terrain. And so trying to find something that was a little bit more unique or similar to that as much as possible. Um, and then it worked out just timing wise. And like I said, we love the Pacific Northwest, like Gil I- as soon as he landed, he's like, "Can we move here?" It's like, "Okay, we're not moving. Like, we're not moving."
0: Not before CCC for sure. You need yeah, to train in the springs like- for CCC. Yeah.
2: So it was just so funny because um, yeah, let's move now. So yeah, and so that was kind of how. And then I had told Megan about it, and she was like, "Yeah, we should do it. Like, that would be great for you." So I was like, "All right." We're going to do it. And that at that time, I was like, okay, so, so maybe everybody will be doing Bandera and Black Canyon. And then, you know, as I watch slowly as people are signing up, I'm like, oh, man, like, yeah. I don't know if I'm ready. So, yeah, that's how I kind of found it and super excited about it.
0: So you've just mentioned your coach, Megan, Megan Roche. I just listened to the Swap podcast where they did a little bit of a breakdown and they had many athletes racing with us over the weekend. But... You were definitely kind of the highlight of that conversation too, and they sang your praises and we'll go into that a little bit more, but I'd love to hear about your and Megan's relationship and what you guys were working on in training leading up to Gorge, how the first couple of months of 2022 was going for you in terms of training and uh, any detail you can provide as to what led to such a fantastic performance.
2: Yeah. Uh, I first off love Megan, appreciate her so much. I think just her whole journey in general is really motivating, um, to me. And then also just being in the medical field, like she gets it. Like my life doesn't stop when I leave, you know, work. And I think that's been really integral because there's just some time, um, leading into this race. I had been studying for the last nine to 10 months for an exam, um, just a specialty exam. And so there had been a lot of times where I was like, you know, should I be doing doubles? It's like, no, like you don't have time to do doubles. You're doing too much other stuff. And so really having an open conversation about that was really nice. And then it was actually pretty fun because in the Springs, we're starting to really build a trail community. And so there was a lot of little, um, like local fun little virtual races that they did. So mm. I told her about them and I was like, Hey, I mean, they were like 10 miles here or there, like, you know, seven. Um, but just some local people were putting them on. And then even like Mark Tatum put on a little event, kind of like quad dipsy. Um, and so she, I was like, I really want to do those because I hadn't really participated in the past. And so I actually did, I would say a lot of those for my workouts. So it was basically like, mm. uh, max out effort for like seven, eight miles, which previously in training, I hadn't done a lot of like true efforts like
0: that. Such good workouts. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think the other big thing is being confident going quickly on the trails. And the other major key component for me was gee, we do a lot of efforts in my long runs, which I think I really need to be confident, not only that I can maintain a good effort, but also that I'm not going to just die after that. Well, that's what she said
0: in the podcast that you do your long runs at like a pretty high intensity.
2: Yeah. So I usually have some sort of warm up and then it'll be like an hour or a little bit more of like pushing Pushing. like 50k pace or an hour pace or something like that. And then we had a couple, quite a few weekends where I'll do, I did back to back double. So, or not that basically long run on Saturday and then also like another 20 miler on Sunday Mm. or something like that. And then with the Saturday one,
0: do you build the intensity into the first one or the second one?
2: First one. So first one, it would be like, I I think the longest run I did was 25, maybe 26. Um, and that one, it was okay. That's where your hour, hour and a half effort is. And then Sunday, it's all about, okay, you're going to do 18 miles, but it's all easy effort. And so kind of how I did that is usually on my Saturdays, I didn't do quite as much vertical gain. And then Sundays on my tired legs, I was like, okay, I'm trying to put a lot of oh. gain on that. Um, and she didn't really say much about that, but then my brain, I was like, this makes sense. Like I'm tired. Like I should be get better at climbing and descending. So usually in like the 18 miler, I would try to do at least like 4,000 vert ish in that 18 miles to just get used to like working on tired legs. Cause I think that's a huge component that changes usually at mile 40 mile 50 I was like dying yeah versus like you know in 18 on Sundays I was like okay I got 18 miles I got 4,000 vert like I can do this yeah, so yeah. it gave me confidence um to, that I could run on tired tired legs so yeah it,
0: it certainly worked so let's talk about the race I want you to talk us through the first 20 miles because it was right around mile 20 that you made the pass and took the lead. And I happened to be there to witness <laughs> it. So we'll get to that in a second, but before we do talk us through those, those opening miles, like the first third of the race.
2: Yeah. So in the beginning, I actually felt I had a, probably the first mile in, you know, everybody's starting, there's adrenaline and I was trying to calm myself down. i oh like, okay, Hannah, this is only mile one. Like you don't need to go. Cause you know, people had gone ahead and I had, kind of weighed the pros and cons and then I was just like no not worth it and I also felt like pretty cold and flat like my legs was it, like, was oh, it was cold
0: it was cold and flat. <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I was
0: freezing
2: like, yes and my legs <laughs> didn't feel great and I was like oh god this is gonna be like a yeah. very long day on these legs um and then just kind of kind of tried to find. So I really tried to find Alex. Cause I knew Alex knew the trail super well. Alex Borsick, um, well, like, you're,
0: you're referencing. Yep. Yeah. Local yeah, Portlander. Yep.
2: Yeah. yeah. So I was like, I know she's been on the trails a bunch. So she at least like one knows like a good effort pace to go. And also like knows where we're going. Cause I haven't even, I haven't even trained in the dark. So, you know, it's raining I've got my headlamp on. <laughs> I'm like, I can't really see, yeah. I don't know. Um, And so basically kept kind of kept going. And then obviously like mile eight or nine, it just started downpouring. Um, And I had like my little like Houdini Patagonia. I was like, well, this is the best we got, Um, which was great. You know, the good thing about that, it's so light and it was really only raining for a while. And
0: Um, then it turned into just a perfect day. So
2: yeah. So that was like totally fine. Um, But yeah, and so in the beginning I had, I had all of my like, uh, you can in a filter water bottle. So, uh, that was bad because it wouldn't come out because uh-huh. all of like the stuff would get caught. And so why
0: were you using first, a filter bottle? Were you thinking you were going to be drinking out of the streams on the course or?
2: Yeah, no, no. Just dip it in the water, uh, yeah. water, uh, fall there. No, mainly because, uh, I have those. <laughs> yeah, like, I only own like four bottles. Okay. So like,
0: I'll send right. you some bottles. I'll send you yeah. some bottles. I've got so about a million.
2: so I was like I have to use these and I didn't think about it rookie mistake it's fine um and so I was super grateful that um Gil and my friend Kasha were at the first aid station because I was like you got to take this now like I'm not getting anything um and then from there um I just kept running and so Tara Tara and I were running together for a while and then just kind of slowly caught up to Ellie in a group and then Tara's actually the one like oh do you like do you want to make a move I was like sure. Like, let's go. So we like went around, um, them and then kept going. And then finally we got to Multnomah falls and I am pretty, well, I feel like climbing. I'm, I'm confident in my climbing. And so I was like, okay, I know one, that this is like the biggest climb. And two, I'm like super, I know I can run this whole thing. And so then we started running and Tara's like, I'll see you on the other side. And I was like, you probably will. Cause she would always, I would always like kind of go ahead of her on the climb and then she would catch up with me every single downhill yeah um and so then we're just going and it's all switchbacks and at this point I'm like man when is this thing gonna end yeah. and so I could finally see um Holly Ann up there and so right okay, at the I top
0: can. I was there yes. okay so let's yes. pick up the story here because right when you get to the top of the climb up Wakina Falls and then you descend down Multnomah I saw Holly Ann coming and I was like, okay, here's the women's leader. And then I was like, oh my goodness, second place is right on her heels. And that's when I asked you your name. I was like, so what's your name? And of yeah. course, like you, I don't know, maybe this is something that bleeds over from swap influence, but you of course, like had you were totally animated, had tons of energy. You're like, woohoo, like you had a total, <laughs> like great attitude. And Holly Ann was also just smashing it. And so I jumped on the back of the train and filmed you guys for a little while. And then as soon as it started going downhill and was like a little bit technical, you mentioned that Tara was passing you on the technical terrain going downhill, but you then just, you know, quickly swung around Holly Ann and you were out of sight like that. Like you had, you opened up a gap like a fairly significant gap almost immediately. So at that point, what's going through your mind? Are you sort of making a conscious decision to hit the gas, to make a decisive move, move and to sort of take control of the race or what, how did that play out?
2: Yeah. So that was, um, a hundred percent my plan. I was like, okay. Cause I was, um, we we're both descending and I was like, okay, I think I can like go a little bit faster down this. And so then actually when I passed her, I, I think she slipped and I was like, Oh no, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. Cause I saw you because i did not yeah. want her to fall. And, um, cause I, I probably should have been like better about that. Um, but yeah, and then just kind of, I felt really good on the downhill and then I just kind of like let my legs go. And then it's like, wow, like I feel really good down this. And then just tried to like, cruise on down especially since it was not super switchbacky so you could kind of let your legs go a little bit more and but so it's like wet and technical to-
0: back there too and you yes. were moving really well on that descent. yeah. I actually, I got all of it on camera too, but I lost service. So the video yeah. is gone forever. It's I'm so yeah. bummed about it because Way to I go, mean, luckily there was a lot of people watching it live. So, you know, those people will hopefully that will forever be burned in their memories, but super, super impressive the pass and then opening up a gap right away. And then you were in control of the race. rest of the day. So you said in your Instagram post, just sort of like backing up a little bit that you were nervous for the race that you questioned whether or not you belonged there. Um, and that, you know, Megan sort of encouraged you to, to believe you got a text from your mom that sort of influenced your wardrobe and, you know, made you feel a little bit more comfortable. So maybe talk about the psychology of all that stuff, because I think there's a lot of people out there that can relate.
2: Yeah. So, um, the kind of the mantra I had I mentioned this too, is like, uh, you can, you will believe that you can believe that you will. Um, and I just kept repeating that. So a week or two before the the race, I was like talking to my therapist and she knows how nervous I was. And she's like, you need to come up with a mantra. And I was like, okay, what should that be? She's like, you have to figure it out. And like, nothing was coming, you know, like I was trying to think of those things. And I, yeah, I had a really candid conversation with Megan of just like, I know you believe in me and everyone believes in me, but I think also um, not only nervous that I would like let myself down, but, and not that anybody would be have this disappointed in my performance, but I think just so many people that have been so supportive of me are like, no, you got this. And I didn't want to let them down. And so really trying to change that own belief system in your mind, because I think a lot of runners and a lot of people are like, do, do I belong here? And should I even be doing this? Like, what am I doing here? Um, and I think that's where trying to believe in yourself a little bit more. And, um, I think the great thing about Megan and David is there's such big, you know, believe in yourself and that'll help you. And I think sometimes you have to believe in yourself, even if no one else does, it's like, I love what I'm doing. I know I've put in the work and I've been doing this for a couple of years and I woke up and it was negative two outside and I still ran. So like I can do this. And I think just repeating that to myself, um, and knowing no matter what happens is like, everybody will still be there for me and be like, you know, you did great. And we're so proud of you. And I think that's what really kind of fueled that whole, um, mantra that I used and just, yeah, the whole race. I literally, I know people are like, what do you think about? I was like, I was literally thinking that for 10 hours, like just repeating it over and over in my brain. So, yeah, yeah.
0: So cool. Well, thanks for sharing that. And yeah, I think there's obviously even great athletes have that self-doubt sometimes. And for you now, proving to yourself that you are capable of these types of performances. It doesn't necessarily mean that that self doubt immediately goes away, right? It's probably something that you're always going to have to deal with. And it is important to have coaches and supporters like your mom and your coach to be there for you and to encourage you to have that belief because that can ultimately be the deciding factor in races at this level. So I guess let's talk a little bit about the rest of the race. I mean, you were in control, like I said, from that point on, but you picked up your husband at the second out and back. And at that point you probably saw that you had a fairly comfortable gap to Tara Fraga who finished second place about 10 minutes behind you. So you probably had some confidence at that point that you had it in the bag barring catastrophe, but are there any other sort of highlights from the race that you think are worth mentioning?
2: Well, uh, <laughs> there's one section I missed the flag and got lost. So that was something that Damn I did <laughs> that yeah, that pisses I me off. Like, yeah. So, well, no, it's not your fault. Sure. I was like coming down, um, kind of, I don't even know what, it was like a parking lot kind of big parking lot. And it was funny because I like, I think I literally was looking at my feet and just like ran the opposite direction. Mm. And it was kind of funny because I was like running down and then I ran up and then there was just some orange flags. And I was like, okay, Dylan said, don't follow the orange flags. So then I like was running around this parking lot. And like, then I finally got, and I was like, okay, we'll just go back. And so then I, and then I saw the flag and I was like, oh, well, like I yeah. just missed that. Um, but during that time, I was like, oh no, oh no, you have to be kidding me. Like, cause I, I didn't know where anybody was behind me. Cause that before fi- like finally picking up gills, like I hadn't seen anybody or no one had told me like how far back people were. So yeah. Um, yeah. So that was the first time. And it was kind of in that aid station. I told girls like, we got to go now. Because I was like, I don't know where they are. Yep. Like, I know they're close. Um, and so I finally seen them knowing I had about kind of 10 minutes and probably about 10-ish miles to go, maybe a little bit more. I was like, okay, I, I was still moving good. So I was pretty confident in the, like you said, unless something really dramatic happens, like there's nowhere they're moving an entire minute faster minute than hit a
0: mile. Yeah. No way.
2: Yeah. So, cause I was still feeling good, but there was a moment where I stepped in this huge puddle and I could like feel the blister on my foot. And I was like, Oh no, like I'm going to get taken down by the yeah. blister. But I really, um, I think that was trying when I was first starting to slowly like believe. And I think for the whole race, um, like being in the position I was, it was more like, Oh crap, I still have 40 miles. I still have 30 miles. I still have 20 miles. Mm-hmm. Just knowing, um, for my own experiences in races where I'll be winning and, you know, someone catches up to me with five miles to go or whatnot. Um, and so that was kind of finally, and then finally, when they get to the last stage station, I take off my vest and like, Oh my gosh, like I can't, I can't, couldn't believe I was like, we did it. Like, we're going to do this thing. Yes. And it's so special. So, yeah. It was, so uh, freaking
0: cool. Yeah, so you, you finish in nine hours, 34 minutes, fifth place overall, nearly an hour faster than the fastest time on the previous course. I mm-hmm. am not entirely sure yet which course is faster, <laughs> but I mean, like I said, performance of the weekend, there's awesome photos of you at the finish line looking quite emotional. What was the feeling like to... Cross that finish line, prove to yourself that you did belong, and uh, and then I want to sort of hear about what's next for you.
2: Yeah, um, I knew I was gonna cry. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was gonna happen. I,
0: I think he made you many were... other people cry. I mean, I was getting a little a little misty myself.
2: I am usually not that emotional, but I think just, um, especially going into that weekend and, um, like listening to your guys's previews and then some other people's predictions, I was like, man, I'm not even like in the top 10, you know, Like but you were
0: you flying know? under the radar. It's not going to yeah. be the case anymore for you. I'll tell you what, <laughs> no, <laughs> Certainly not which, on um, my show, <laughs>
2: <laughs> which is, is fun and a different, but yeah, I think it was just a culmination of it, all of the emotions of like, wow, like all the people that had helped me to get there and do that. And then just truly like in in disbelief that that happened, but also so, so happy and grateful for everybody that made that happen. And so, yeah, I think just all of those things, I, I couldn't not cry. I was just so happy and excited at just knowing that I had like built more confidence for myself and kind of broke through, I think a little bit of like a mental barrier, um, of knowing what to do. And so, yeah, uh, incredible. I was, I still feel like I watching those videos and I'm like, sorry, everybody that I keep posting them. It's just so emotional. For so me good. So, exciting. so yeah.
0: So good. I mean, that's the real stuff right there. And that's really what it's all about. I mean, <laughs> it's a, it's a wordless thing, you know, but we all understand it. And, uh, I think the photos certainly capture that feeling effectively for you. So what's next, man, we have to know (laughs) Hannah Allgood has arrived on the scene. You're never going to fly under the radar ever again. You've mentioned CCC a couple of times. Tell us uh, what your goals are for the future, because I think there's going to be a lot of people who want to follow along.
2: Yeah, I think (laughs) there's a lot. I think there's a lot of goals. I mean, um, I would eventually. I would love to run a hundred miler. That still scares me a little bit. Um, But I think just continuing, um, you know, there's certain goals like doing Europe 100 or even obviously being a part of Western States. But even be able to like travel a little bit more and race in Europe a little bit more. Those are huge goals. There's just so many beautiful places to see, and I think that's the the thing I love most about trail running is not only you get to push yourself to the limits, but you get to do it in beautiful places. So, um, those are the big goals. I think next, um, unless we'll see, I'm signed up for a couple of things, but Megan was kind of like, are you okay if we maybe change the schedule? So okay. I don't know what that, what yeah. that looks like. Um, originally I had planned Quadrock and then I was super excited to do San Juan solstice. Um, dude, right that's going to be
0: a race this year. Claire Gallagher yeah. is running. I think Hillary uh-huh. Allen's running. That's a real course too. That's, they call it hard rock junior. So.
2: <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. And that may or may not happen. Um, but right now I'm on the wait list, but yeah, so we'll, we'll see and decide if that's a good, good plan for me or not, but that's one for sure that has been on my bucket list for a long time. And mm-hmm. cause it's so beautiful and also scary, but also just so I think, just different emotions and sets you up for mountain terrain. Yeah,
0: so, yeah. Yeah. So then is CCC kind of the big goal for the second half of the year?
2: I would say so. Yeah. For, I mean, looking at that start list, I was like, Oh gosh, <laughs> like I was, I told Megan even after I, yeah. I signed up for, it, I was like, maybe we'll just do this like as like a, a, for fun race, like just get out there and experience and it'll still be for fun. But I think there's going to be probably a little bit more, um, seriousness placed on it versus more so like vacationing and just enjoying it a little bit more. So that's definitely, definitely a big goal. Um, but I think it's pretty evolving, uh, this year, I think just based on how I feel and how things go.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, you're only five days removed from an awesome (laughs) hundred K so you can enjoy that for a little bit, but a little unsolicited veteran advice for me. I think you have all the frickin' tools to smash CCC. And I think there would be a lot of people who would be really excited to see you compete there. There is a bit of a learning curve of going over and racing on the European scene. And so you do have to sort of begin to visualize that sort of more circus-like environment with a lot more fanfare certainly than there was at Gorge Waterfalls, although I thought we did a good job too. But um, yeah, I don't know, believe in yourself. And I think, you know, CCC is a totally worthy next step for you in terms of like a serious focus event. And uh, speaking for myself and free trail, we would, uh, (laughs) we would be really excited to see you race there. So, well, Hannah, what a pleasure. Okay. Yeah. We've gone over time already and uh, I really want to have you back on. Maybe we'll do another one sort of before CCC where we aren't time constrained and we can go a little bit deeper on your story, but congratulations again. Thanks for coming to the gorge. It was great to, to meet you and get to know you a little bit. Thanks for coming on the podcast too.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: The Free Trail Podcast is brought to you by Gnarly Nutrition. Are you guys training for your next big race? Has the 2022 season started yet? Well, Gnarly Nutrition gets it. They know where you're at because this is a team filled with mountain sport athletes just like you and I, and with a full line of NSF certified products that are natural, effective, and delicious. Gnarly knows what it takes to cross the finish line. So when you are planning your training nutrition, organizing your crew support and drop bags, or thinking about your post-run recovery, I would encourage you to reach for Gnarly Nutrition. You guys have heard me talk about the Fuel2O drink mix a lot. I also love the Gnarly BCAAs. I've come to learn that branch chain amino acids are critical to muscle health and muscle recovery. And honestly, I've noticed a big difference in my recovery since I started using this drink mix on pretty much a daily basis. So check out the Gnarly BCAAs. check out the fuel 20 go visit gonarly.com use code freetrail15 for 15% off your order gonarly.com freetrail15 FREETRAIL free is grateful to have the support of inside tracker as trail runners you understand what it means to push harder reach farther and go the extra mile this relentless drive runs in your blood, literally and figuratively. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build endurance, boost energy, and optimize your health for the long haul. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, the right nutrition, the right supplementation for you and your unique body. It's a really great tool to see where you're optimized and where you're not, where you can improve. And if you're a Garmin user like myself, you can connect Tracker to your device to unlock real time recovery tips after completing your workout. It's like having your own personal trainer and nutritionist in your pocket. I did my Inside Tracker blood test a few days ago. It was super easy, a totally seamless experience at the testing center. I'm waiting on the results now. I'm really excited to get those back, learn from it, share the results with you all, and let you know how I'm gonna change my behavior, my training, my nutrition as a result of what we learn. You should do this too. Honestly, it's really cool. It's a really important thing to just check in on yourself every once in a while. And for a limited time, you can take advantage of the special offer. Get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Basically, take advantage of the test that I just took as well. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash free trail to take advantage of this 20% offer. There's a link in the show notes, but insidetracker.com forward slash free trail. <laughs> Oh, David Laney, you champion. <laughs> Um, you're just, you just asked me if I'm recovered. I, I think you're the one who deserves that question. The answer for me is no. How are you feeling a few days after your awesome victory at the Gorge? I feel good. I
3: mean, yeah, I felt good. Uh, I didn't have to be out there for two days up at like, I don't know what time you were up, probably three, probably two. <laughs> <laughs> probably up till two. I'm yeah. sure you didn't sleep for forty eight hours. Probably. Yeah,
0: there wasn't a lot of sleep, but man, I, I'm actually quite surprised as how exhausting it was. I mean, I ran with you guys a few miles, but yeah. and a few miles on Sunday, but you know, yeah. there, there wasn't any like physical exhausting exertion going on. But of course, emceeing seeing the finish line. You know, you're just like yeah. expending that type of energy. and I mean, it Absolutely. was just so freaking cool. and I have a new yeah. appreciation for race directors and the effort that they put in. I couldn't imagine having that be my full- time job and having to put races on <laughs> multiple times a lame. year. so yeah. it was so good. Yeah, well, you
3: did an incredible. You guys did an awesome job. It was super fun. <laughs>
0: Thank you, bro. Yeah, thank I appreciate you. it, and it was so great to have you there. And you also did an awesome fun. job. How are you feeling, man? Physically, I mean, that was a freaking insane run from you. How uh, how's the body feel after hundred k's in the gorge?
3: Yeah, feels uh, pretty good today. Uh, Sunday things were super beat up. Um, just all that little rocky, like little technical sections added up big time, and so it was more acute soreness than i've had in the past yeah um ankles were sore feet were sore ankles and feet Uh, for sure in the gorge yeah just all that little rocky stuff but today feeling feeling a lot better uh yeah good man
0: Well, congratulations, man. I wanna hear all about the the race execution and the training leading up to it, but maybe backing up a little bit, you've been on a tear recently. I mean, you've been smashing it quietly. You always sort of like execute quietly, but even going back a year ago, you were fourth at Canyons and then you ran super fast, like 12 and a half hour, 100 miler desert solstice. You won formidable to start Mm -hmm. the year, this year, and now you win Gorge in a super fast time. What have you been up to, man? As a lifelong runner, it seems like you're sort of on a good one right now. How's your
3: running been feeling? Yeah, it's been feeling good. Uh, you know, I th- I always think when things are like, if you look at someone's training, when things are going well, it probably means they started doing something right, like two years ago. Uh huh. Um, so like two and a half years ago, I finally told Brett Hornig, like okay, you need to coach me. Like I'm, I'm doing things that are kind of silly. Huh. Uh, I think I need to kind of refocus. And that was about the time I signed with Craft. And so it was kind of like, you know, I think there's like a good momentum here. I I do still want to be competitive. I don't as much as I love just spending all day walking around and sitting in the mountains. Uh, I I I want to have a couple more years of true competitive running. Yeah. So. And I can still go do the mountain stuff. But let's like give it a you know, stay focused and continue doing this for a little bit longer. So, you know, been the coaching from Brett has been really, really helpful. Talk about uh, that.
0: I think this is very interesting because you were self-coached for a long time and yeah, it led to incredible results. Everybody knows the things that you've done in the sport. If not, go check out the ultra sign-up. But man, I mean, you've been on the podium of UTMB you fourth at UTMB, you can compete like across all different distances, all different terrains. And uh, it strikes me as a fairly mature move to enlist your friend and colleague from Trails and Tarmac, Brett, to right the ship. Oh. Um, so talk about what put you to place to where you were motivated to make that change.
3: Yeah, so Brett and I were college teammates as well. So he's, you know, he's been, he's known, my training for I don't know since 2008 or 2009 so we've known each other a long time um and he always essentially just had insightful like observations like well yeah you you did this that was a unique choice like maybe that wasn't super beneficial to your race (laughs) or or he'd be like well yeah and you did this you know four times before this really good race like why you know like so he just had good observations and good and i would just kind of be like yeah man like i just like running a lot of miles <laughs> and that was just always my excuse too like i liked i liked training hard even though i totally knew that i trained to a point where it was no like it wasn't beneficial and it probably was a little bit detrimental like i was overtrained a lot but i like training i like working out it's yeah. fun so, so you think he's probably reduced the overall volume? Yeah, not by much, but by a little bit. Yeah, And just kind of believing in that, like, you know, I probably like 7% less than I did in 2016. Uh-huh. It's not a ton, but the quality is significantly improved. Uh, I do those workouts that I kind of found annoying in the past and would kind of neglect um you know i just prioritize training a little bit differently and just having someone call you on your on your stuff is is really valuable critical uh and so just you know that accountability has been helpful and just like yeah don't do that like that's awesome uh, and, you know he lets the rains out lets the rains out sometimes and i can just go do whatever i want for a yeah weeks,
0: but, well it's important to have those, yeah, it's those times too yeah so Yeah. Well, man, it's working. It's working. Keep the, keep the train going. Um, I want to talk a little bit about craft and what you've got going on there. Cause that also seems like it's been a great new chapter for you, not only as a sponsored athlete, but it seems like you now have some sort of employment role with the brand as well. Talk about that. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. So starting January 1st of 2022, I. Uh, became an employee of Craft US um, and I'm in charge of footwear activation. So this is the first year that we are launching our shoes in retail stores. So we've sold them online in the past. And this is the first year we decided to scale up and go into, you know, retail stores across. So we just we're in SFRC, you know, shops all over. Yeah. Um, and so my role is going to those stores and doing an event, like group run, pizza night, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, doing something fun, getting people to try on the shoes and just kind of making it successful for the stores that have, uh, believed in us. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, you brought the shoes in, we appreciate it. Uh, let's, let's make it successful. Let's sell the shoes. And so doing those events has been really fun. Uh, crafts, putting a lot behind, um, you know, supporting me a lot and putting a lot behind this new line of shoes and they're really fun. So yeah, it's been cool. I think it's brilliant. And I've
0: talked about this on the podcast in the past, recently in an episode with Claire Gallagher, because she sort of has a employment role in the marketing department at Patagonia. And this was shortly after you posted that you had accepted this new role. And I'm doing similar stuff now too, where you sort of marry your intellectual life with your athletic life. And I think it's a really powerful way to create a deep partnership between athlete and brand. Talk about how that's maybe made you feel about the brand itself and the people that you work with and maybe some things that you've learned as part of being more involved in the actual operation of a business like that.
3: Yeah, it's, A, it's been really fun. It's been a great learning experience. Uh, I'm, I'm way more invested. So as an athlete, I would get, you know, boxes of stuff. And I would be supported in events and I would, you know, race and post pictures as like an athlete employee. <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh, but it's like, yeah, that's the, that's the job. Totally. And, and it's, and there's that nothing
0: was, wrong with it. We should say there's nothing wrong with not it at but, all. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's a, it's awesome. Um, but like understanding the depth of the company and understanding that there's people, there's lots of people at Kraft who are really invested and really love the sport. And uh, and it's just like people I like working with. It's like being part of a, you, you really get in the community, in the, you know, of the business mm-hmm. when you're an employee rather than, you know, and you can as just a contract athlete. Um, but that employee, athlete role is, I think, amazing. And I think is the way of the future. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, And I think that athletes are the most underused resources on the planet. I think every athlete on every team would like to be used more than they are. And for some people like, you know, the Killians and gyms and things like that. I mean, it is a full time job to manage their lifestyle being sort of like world, world famous. Right. Yeah. But for the vast majority of us, it's like, it's a nice way to augment our athletic life, to keep things in balance a little bit more and to contribute to our brand partners in a more powerful and more significant way. So I think it's really smart of you to do and smart of craft to recognize you know, the value that you could bring to them off the race course as well. You were just in Sweden before the race. What were you doing over there? That's where headquarters uh, is, right?
3: Yeah. So we had our, it is. Yeah. So I was at the headquarters doing our um, quarter one or quarter two, I guess uh, international sales meeting. So it was totally virtual still. Um, but we were in uh, making videos and making presentations on footwear and apparel for running and trail run, they're running and trail running line. Yeah. Yeah. So it's super fun. What
0: well, can you tell us about the product before we start talking about Gorge a little bit? It seems like a pretty yeah. sweet, sweet stuff. I mean, it, just observing your kit, your footwear. Yeah. Tell us about the product a little bit.
3: Yeah. So currently we've got, um, the Stkem ultra line. So we've got the race rebel, which is the kind of more road focused shoe. Uh, it is what I wore at formidable. So on those dry California trails, it's great as well, but it's really a road, road focused shoe. Um, then in the middle, what I wore at Gorge last weekend is the CTM ultra. So it's kind of that hybrid, uh, kind of gravel bike shoe. The gra- really, Cool. Yeah, Good analogy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, really smooth on light trails. Uh, but, it works on more technical stuff. You know, it, it like worked well on the Rocky sections that talus. Um, but just incredible on that. Once I got them on PCT, it's just like, this is what it's made for. Yeah. Um, so really designed for light trails and road, you know, great on the roads as well. Yeah. And then CGM ultra carbon carbon version of the ultra, which I wore. So throw a carbon plate in it, little snappier ride. Yeah. Um, you know a little more responsive uh just more energy return yeah yeah well cool thanks for the preview yeah. and uh, yeah i like, yeah, yeah. like what
0: i like what craft is doing they're definitely making a, a push i mean aside from yourself of course tommy ribs is part of the family too oh. and then um mk sullivan who totally, just yeah. won way too cool i don't know her personally yeah. but she seems to be super super talented eden Nilsson, i think is yeah. on the team now yeah. mm-hmm. legend she is so yeah. Yeah. I, i'm sure i'm forgetting a couple of athletes but it's really cool and a fun thing to sort of observe on the industry side so keep us posted yeah. on that but let's talk about yeah. gorge this is uh an awesome freaking result for you and sort of another data point and what's been a great last 12 months of competition for you. Um, we talked about kind of the, the, the different training approach or at least engaging a coach in Brett Hornig. Um, what were you guys working on specifically leading up to Gorge? I know you used Formidable probably as like a nice stepping stone into the hundred K distance. So maybe just give us a glimpse and in, into the training and maybe some specific things that you think set you up for such a good day.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, formidable. The goal of formidable was just to be the last hard session. Um, you know, I knew the two weeks before Gorge, I was going to be traveling and it was gonna be hard to just like, just being on the road, just challenging to really get in quality training and it worked okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but. The big focus was have a really hard session at formidable. It's a little longer out than I would have wanted it to be, but it kind of just had to work. Uh, The focus in terms of daily training was a lot of, not even a lot, a moderate amount of easy miles, uh, a fairly easy long run. Usually I would have done more like, uh, pickups or threshold or tempo work during the long run, but we just kept that, that easy for the last eight weeks or so. And then one, I would say like moderately hard, like effort of seven or eight, uh, honestly just threshold type work. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that was occasionally uphill and sometimes just flat on the road. So you were only doing one workout a week, just one workout a week. Give yeah. us an example of what that workout
0: looked like. Was it like a four yeah, by 10 so, or like a four by 15 type thing or.
3: Yeah. So at the beginning it was more broken up, um, you know, like almost even shorter, like, uh, five minute intervals mm. and then got longer and then just slowly pulled the recovery out. So by the end it was like, you know, our threshold uh, or so the pace basically stayed the same and we just pulled recovery made recovery really short Ah, uh, brilliant down to like yeah so down to like a minute of recovery on pretty hard intervals so that, you know that worked well threshold stuff always benefits me a lot uh,
0: me too I freaking love that stuff <laughs> just like yeah. the tempo threshold stuff yeah. I can do that all day <laughs> then the it's, VO2 max yeah, stuff I, I, I can still get through it but I freaking hate it I freaking hate it I see too. the value yeah. in it but <laughs> totally awesome well yeah shout out to Brett Hornig I mean good uh, good moves by you guys and clearly paid off and I think goes into a an important you know overall training subject that I've talked to a few people about recently and just like I mean, Tim Tollefson even was just on talking about how he had reduced the intensity and the overall volume of his training and then just crushed it at way too cool. And yeah, you're saying the same thing. And Claire Gallagher sort of said the same stuff as well. And it's counterintuitive. And especially for athletes at your guys' level, it's important for people to hear that it's not always about more volume, more intensity. And yeah. Uh, totally. <laughs> Sometimes you know that extra extra energy is what gives you the gas when you're 50 miles into 100k. And Absolutely, I can tell you when I was trying to keep up with you when you were 50 miles into 100k, you had that gas. So let's talk about the race itself. Um, yeah, talk us through the early part. I mean, you guys had a little bit of a, a pack going, so maybe just yeah, give us a, a quick breakdown of sort of like the early part of the race and at what point you and Rich sort of broke away from the rest of the pack.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Rich and Drew and James and I, and maybe a few others early on. Uh, you know, I think it was just good energy. I think everybody was kind of at this similar effort. Uh, and so for, I think maybe 20 miles, 25 miles, that group stayed together pretty comfortably. Um, you know, it was just nice running with a a good group. Uh, and then it started breaking up, I think, a little bit on the descent. Maybe a little bit toward that aid station, that um, mile thirty. Yeah. Beyond. Yep. Um, I think that's when it really kind of broke up. And then yeah, I was I was I driving I got- past
0: you guys on the highway.
3: Yeah. And I could yeah. see
0: you and Rich leaving Yeon together before yep. when I had seen you previously, it was still a group of four. You were like 10 seconds ahead of Rich leaving that aid station on the bike path before you got back on the 400 trail. So let's talk about the uh, competition with Rich because then you guys, you guys were together for like the first 37 ish miles and you made the major move or establish the gap at the aid station at Cascade Locks, Mm -hmm. roughly mile 37 or so. Yeah. And I was running with you guys at the time and I was, yeah I was providing commentary to our viewers on Instagram live, just saying like, look what these guys do at the aid station here. This is going to be really important. They're running together. It's mile 37. Sometimes this is where the separation happens. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, Rich, I don't think had crew there, you dropped mm-hmm. your bag, put on a new vest and you were out, you know, in 20, like, you know, 10, 15 seconds mm-hmm. and s- instantly established a minute and a half gap on Rich. So talk about that sort of uh, critical part of the race and the overall strategy that you had, because I think for people observing, it was a, a valuable insight into what people can do Um, to you know, be more efficient through aid stations, and really, just how critical those aid station transitions are at the highest level. Talk about that whole sequence.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Rich had put a gap, maybe a minute, going like mile like thirty three, and I felt like we were running pretty hard at that point. So I was like, okay, I know this aid station's coming. I'm I'm gonna really like I had planned to just do the backpack switch, but I knew it was gonna be really important yeah uh because he he was moving really really well so we came into the aid station i think i was like a few steps behind him but i caught up to him on one of the little climbs um and then i was like you know i know everything i need is in my pack i'm just gonna try and roll through as quickly as possible yeah um and then i walked out of the aid station i couldn't get my pack adjusted right (laughs) uh but I was, I was expecting him to be right behind me. I was like, you know, he'll, we'll probably have, I knew we had a climb coming, probably roll together up that. Um, and so I think, you know, having that pack ready to go, having a transition that took five seconds was really important because I think it did put the pressure on him a little bit. He probably had to work a little harder coming out of that aid station. And then it's like, you know if somebody has a little gap it's tough yeah um, so
0: i mean it was uh yeah i'm so glad we caught it on camera i don't know if you've had a chance to see he it guys because it did an
3: incredible job
0: well because it was like it was the perfect learning experience i think for maybe aspiring elite athletes or whatever to see that and of course we should say Rich Lockwood is less experienced than you. In fact, I talked to him about this after the race. I was like, dude, this is such a good stepping stone for you. He had an awesome race and, you know, sky's the limit for him. But I made the same point. I said, you know, the critical moment was David switching packs and walking out of the aid station, barely missing or barely stopping for a second at Cascade Locks, where Rich stopped and had to resupply for a minute and a half. And that's exactly where the elastic broke. And you then had the gap that you needed to sort of hold him off to the finish line. So awesome. And so, the,
3: actually thinking back, the reason I did the pack change was because I saw Dakota do that at Sonoma. And I saw Dakota was on the entry list. And so I was like, you know, <laughs> he's probably going to be doing that. The aid stations will be important. Yep. I'm gonna do that. Yes. So you know, you do, you pass that. You know, I learned from him. You know, Rich, Rich is an amazing athlete. I yeah. learned from him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just you know that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's that's exactly what I said. Dude, it was just like, I mean, he had a great race, second place, took home some cash, and gained yeah. some super valuable experience that he can apply in the future. It's too bad Dakota wasn't there to to duke yeah, it out totally. with you guys, but yeah, yeah, he. I know he wanted to be there. Unfortunately, yeah. he. Would, just picked up some, some small little thing that put him on yeah. the sidelines briefly, but I think yeah. he's okay. So yeah. anyway, yeah. then a short time after that, 10 miles later or so, you're in the Wyeth aid station. And I thought I had a few minutes to get my stuff together until you would arrive. And then Ryan thrower is like, oh, Lainey's here, Lainey's here. So I had to freaking throw my shoes on <laughs> in half a second and sprint to catch up to you. And man, like, trying to keep up with you going out of that aid station, climbing back up to the trail. I mean, it felt like threshold pace for me. I mean, and uh, you were, yeah, just like super impressed with the pace that you were able to hold there. And then the, um, uh, because it's an out and back, we saw Rich coming into the aid station. At that point, he was probably three minutes, maybe. I don't know if you took a gap.
3: or Yeah, I timed it. It was... Um, it was two minutes, so four minutes behind, okay. Because I it was two minutes I'd been out, yeah.
0: okay. So then, uh, after I sort of chased you for a mile or so out of that aid station, I waited for Rich, and it was seven minutes by the time you got okay. there. So okay. then it was like, okay, this David's fully in control of this now. So yeah, maybe talk about the that last half marathon. I mean, just it—it it seemed to me like you were having a really special day. Is that how it felt out there? Was there any drama?
3: Yeah, you know, the early miles. It always—I always take a long time. It's not warm up. I mean, I'm warmed up, but yeah. it's just like things are always clunky. Uh, but I knew, like, I love the PCT. Yeah, like just everything about it. Like. Uh, <laughs> it's just magical. yeah. And like the sun was coming through the trees and like the, the poem that your, uh, your mother-in-law read at the beginning was just kind of like (laughs) echoing my mind, like the history of this, the gorge. Uh, and so it was just like fun. It was just being fun being out there, like on the PCT, uh, in the forest. Like it was just like, it was a good it was a good trail day
0: was there any were there any challenges like was there any drama out there for you because I mean, I guess we should say that I mean of course you won you won the race in eight thirty four and change ultimately, the gap was seventeen minutes at the end. so you put another 10 oh. minutes on rich over the course of those last 10 twelve miles. So, I mean, to me, as from an outsider's perspective, it seemed like, you know, almost a flawless day, you know, you were running in the lead pack early, then it was down to a race of two and then you were out front. And by the end it was 17 minutes a fairly substantial gap. Was there, were there any low points or was it a, was it a pretty flawless day?
3: I think the lowest point was probably mile like 32 uh rich got a pretty good gap on me on a climb and i was like i was like felt my legs felt fine i just uh i was like he's he's moving really well and i'm like there's still 28 miles to go and uh i think that was like a a little bit of a challenge because i just like he was climbing incredibly well and i was like i i can't do that for 28 more miles
0: Mm
3: -hmm. um but other than that most of most of the day felt good. Fueling was good. The weather was absolutely perfect. It was perfect,
0: huh? Just to be on uh, on trail the gas. Was
3: perfect. Yeah, perfectly marked. Uh no like just uh, it was good condition. Yeah, overall pretty good day. Awesome, man. Yeah, it
0: was fun. Well, yeah, I I also talked to Rich. This this is another funny anecdote because he watched the little video where I was running behind you guys through that aid station. This is when we were talking about what he could learn from it. And he was like, you know that moment where like Lainey broke into a hike behind me because he was in front still jogging Mm -hmm. up the hill. He was like, do you think he like was doing that to save energy or like, do you think you know, what, what, why did he do that? I was like, man, that's just like, you know, it's another veteran move. You know, he just kind of broke into a hike for 20 seconds because he felt like he'd still be on your wheel and there was no need to, to be running up that hill. And anyway, another, uh, great thing that we captured on film that I think people can learn from.
3: Yeah. I think any, any opportunity you have to even the effort out, In the early months, like we, as soon as we started going uphill, we were going harder. Yeah. And so I was like, I was like, well, I don't want to be going harder. Even if they get a gap, hiking is going to, in the long run, hiking will be better. Yeah. Well,
0: congrats, Uh, man. You freaking smashed it. It seemed like a textbook victory for you. So let's, uh, let's wind down by talking about what's next. You're, like I said, you're on a, on a heater right now. I'm sure you want to keep the momentum going after some recovery what does the rest of your season look like
3: yeah the the big focus will be UTMB um, let's go it'll be fun yes uh, but I'm probably I'll do Tiger Cough 50 mile so a bunch of vert on May 14 and then I'll run so, I'll race something over the summer yeah uh, probably in June or July but not totally sure yet yeah yeah
0: well, David Laney returning to UTMB. I know you've been third, you've been fourth. You had what, a 12th or something? Yeah, 14th. Yeah. 14th. Yeah. Making a return to, you know, try and keep the momentum going on this heater. You're like Steph Curry right now from the three point line. So, <laughs> I wish. you know, just uh, keep the uh, beginner's mindset, keep working with Brett mm-hmm. and. I know we'll all be rooting for you in Chamonix, but congrats on, uh, on Gorge, man. Thanks for coming out. It was a joy to have you there and uh, good luck on the rest of your season. Hopefully we connect in person soon.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much.
0: All righty. That's it. Thank you to Hannah and David. Huge things coming for these two, of course. Hannah, a lesser known quantity so far than David Laney, who is, of course, an institution on the scene and has been for a decade at this point. But huge things ahead for these guys and uh, really grateful that they would come race at the gorge and put on Such incredible performances. I feel lucky to have been there and witnessed it in person. As always, a big thank you to our sponsors, without whom this show honestly would not exist. It would mean a lot to me if you guys could show your support for these brands. Give them a follow. Give them some business. That's a a good way to keep us in business at the same time. I'll go through them in order. Speedland, the presenting sponsor. Please check them out, runspeedland.com. Follow them on Instagram at RunSpeedland. Pick up a pair of the SLHSV. Pre-orders are going right now. Delivery due in about a month, I think. So go grab a pair of those. Gnarly Nutrition, best nutrition products on the market. These guys are also out at Gorge in person, including their CEO, Eli Kerr. And uh, again, just super grateful. These guys showed up for us in person to sponsor our event. They're the first brand to believe in us. You can get 15% off your order at gonarly.com by using the code FREETRAIL15. Please do support those guys. Finally, Inside Tracker, amazing brand, providing an incredible service to athletes around the world. Go uh, to InsideTracker.com forward slash FREETRAIL. Get 20% off a really detailed blood test. It'll show you where you can improve your health in order to improve your performance big shout out to all three of those companies thank you guys so much for showing your support to them um check out the highlight videos for both the 100k and 50k at gorge those are both up on the free trail youtube channel join us for free trail friday every week 12 pm pacific time on the free trail youtube channel lot of super fun things planned over there. We're going to be making a massive announcement pretty soon. So watch this space for now. I'm going to let you guys go. Time to take a nap. Love you all very much. Talk soon. Bye-bye.